All right, guys, welcome. Uh, we're at the 79th installment of the Playing to Win podcast series. Today we're talking about uh, Andrew Tate and his recent incarceration, how the uh, how the situation's unfolding. I've got uh, Suleiman Ahmed with me. Uh, he's a, a teacher, author, blogger, investigative journalist, uh, also has a law degree. Interesting dude. I've seen him um, traveling around in the last couple of weeks, and he was introduced uh, to me through a mutual friend, thought it would be good to... Uh, put him on the podcast and introduce him to you guys so he can offer some insight on what he thinks going on with the uh, Andrew Tate situation. Uh, welcome. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. Much appreciated. Yeah. Now, you're in the UK. Um, I know that you're going on with uh, Destiny and Pearl to have a conversation later on today. There's a BBC um, audio documentary that was just released. It's about 36 minutes long, and we're going to kind of go through this and try to unpack it and see you know what this looks like. I mean, this is definitely a plane to win story because, uh, you know, we'll call it the matrix is obviously trying to win against the Tate brothers. And right now they're incarcerated and they're obviously trying to win, you know, for their own lives and their own freedom. Um, have you ever met Andrew and Tristan? No, no, I've never met Andrew Tristan, Tristan, neither have I ever communicated with them. My initial basis of joining this issue was because I felt like injustice was occurring. There was a significant or a plethora of attacks against them on social media as well as mainstream media and what you'll find in mainstream media which is and the culmination of that is probably the bbc documentary is a significant bias against the tape without any kind of fair reporting so that was the basis for joining the issue obviously now after doing significant amount of research you would probably put me in the pro tape camp and the reason for that is just based on what i've learned the evidence i've seen and and the way the other side is acting Okay, so so at this stage of the game, do you think he's innocent or do you think he's guilty? Um, so based on the evidence we have right now, I'm I'm convinced that he's innocent. Convinced that he's innocent. Okay, um, I'm at the point where like I've had Andrew on several times for podcasts, um, Tristan as well. Um, I like them. I th like one of their most charming traits. I feel is their comedy. Like I think they're hilarious. You know the way that they. Um, discuss topics that seem to be taken as taboo by most people he's also a big car guy so we talk a lot about cars offline i have no idea you know what's what's going on here you know to be honest with you um you know people have people have accused me of hitching myself to you know hitching my wagon to this and saying oh you know you got to get off this bandwagon it's like look okay uh i'm one of the few guys that doesn't hitch to anything like i run my own show and i am my own person I like the guy. I think he's funny. I don't know why he's in, in jail aside from the allegations that I've heard, but he hasn't been charged yet, which is unusual. Like this is this is a little bit bizarre. From what I understand in Romania, they can hold you for up to 180 days without charging. That's right. They have they can and and they plan to. It's, I mean, it seems like they are they're doing it in increments of 30 days and they can do it up to 180 days, which as citizens of the world, one would Think that it would be our moral duty to be vocal about why this is inappropriate and so any country it doesn't matter if which country it is and we can include the united kingdom where they do it now for 14 days or the united states where you've got the patriot act any of these are in france so any of these countries where you have a scenario where people are being held detained without being charged is horrendous and we as people of the world should be fighting against this and saying this is incorrect yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, why hold somebody for that long without officially charging them? To me, at this stage of the game, it's not a question of innocence or guilt. It's like, why are they holding him? How long are they going to hold him? 
if they're going to charge with anything, is it going to be legitimate? Is he going to get a, you know, like a fair trial here sort of thing? Because at this stage with them holding him this long without making any official announcements or, pro- or providing any official evidence does seem like the matrix is attacking him. Um, just, they, you know, just putting it out there. I mean, those are legitimate concerns because you, one has to remember that they have been investigating these brothers now coming up to nearly a 10 to 11 months. So you basically investigate them for nine months before you arrested them. And then you've had them now, you're going to have them for two months. And throughout that period, you're in a situation where you say you don't have the evidence to prosecute or to convict. So essentially, you put them in prison and then you go along and look for the evidence. And it's, in essence, it's a fishing expedition. Mm-hmm. And the concern always is whenever there's a fishing expedition and someone's looking for fish, they're going to try and catch it. Yeah, whenever you're going looking for trouble, you're definitely going to find something. And if you don't, you're going to manufacture it as well. Exactly. You know, is what I've learned. Um, let's let's kind of get into the speculative stuff a little bit. I, I want to play this um, BBC special that aired last night. It was radio only. Um, it's about 36 minutes long. If you guys can do me a solid, I'm just going to drop the link in YouTube because I only monitor the chat in YouTube. So if you're watching this on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, you know, wherever, uh, click that link that I just dropped in all chat. Head over to YouTube, hit the like button, thumbs up. Um, and subscribe, obviously, so you don't miss anything, because I'll keep an eye on the uh, chat on YouTube if you guys have any questions uh, for us as we're doing this or anything you want us to address as we're kind of going through this. Um, So let's throw this in the stream here, and I've checked the audio. If you guys have any issues with the audio while it's playing, you let me know. Um, I think we'll be able to run through through this at about 1.2 times speed and still understand it. We'll kind of pause along the way, so if there's something that you want to hit on, just, just just say pause, and I'll just hit the pause button, and then we'll kind of discuss it and then we'll just go and resume it so we'll just so play before this we start, yeah before we start broadly speaking i mean this documentary was um produced by an individual called um paul kenyon i think his name is and someone called Haley. now first of all paul's been writing a significant amount of things on twitter which no problem he's trying to advertise his show but one of the points he makes is this he says from the information, well, he makes two points. First, he says there's a in this audio that you're going to listen to, there's a treasure trove of information. So listening to it, I was expecting massive bombshells. Mm-hmm. I was expecting things which would be unbelievable. And he claimed that this would be the reason or, uh, or an example or an exemplar of why the tapes are going to be convicted. So I'll allow that your audience to see if they come to the same conclusion. And the second issue is he said that according to the information he has, the Tate brothers are going to remain in prison till May, five weeks before the 180 days are run out, and then the trial will start immediately. Now, when I read that, I have two questions. The first question is, you've stated that unequivocally. So it's not you've said my opinion, you've said it is going to happen. So if that's the case, and you and you, it's the one of two things: either you're inaccurate and you're just talking nonsense, or the other option is you have inside information. The concern with that is if you have inside information, that again it goes to the idea of the matrix and these brothers. The the judgment already been decided because remember, they're meant to be having a hearing every thirty days. The prosecution are meant to be presenting the evidence. They're going to be presenting the defense, and then the judge makes a decision then most likely they'll appeal that decision. So in up until May, there should be six court hearings. So is he saying those 
court hearings are a foregone conclusion. So those are the two issues that I think need to be raised before we listen to it. And then the third thing is, if you look at the narrative, it'll be it's very one-sided and quite biased. So the, they were just my comments before we start. Yeah, um, you'll get a general feel for what the BBC's done with this once we start playing through it, because a lot of the um, the proof uh, didn't didn't really seem to be there when I was listening to it. And I listened to it twice this morning to you know take a few notes. So let me uh, throw it back up on the screen again. You know, if there's something that you want to pause and discuss, just let me know. Just just say pause, and I'll pause it, and then we'll yeah. uh, hop into it. Um, all right, let's go back in here and put this back up on the screen. Uh, okay, and let's hit play. And again, if you guys have any issue with the audio, just let me know, and I'll and I'll make some adjustments. There we go. I am, by the metrics of the internet, the most famous individual who is currently alive in the world today. Andrew Tate, a self-proclaimed misogynist who says he's a trillionaire and who's followed on by a huge digital army yeah, of young men. The youth of today won't. Go ahead. Well, straight first point. They start with this idea of self-proclaimed misogynist. It's to create the narrative that guess what? He is a misogynist and it's based on what he said. Now, I had an interaction with somebody from the New York Post. His name was Joshua, and I forgot his surname. And he started and said, look, I'm writing an article about the self-proclaimed misogynist, Andrew mm -hmm. Tate. So I asked him, I said, look, what's, can you provide me for the reference for that statement? So he said, no problem. And then he provided me with a link to the BBC. So I said to him, look, that's not a primary source. Can you provide me for the information for a primary source? So he sent me a podcast and so I'll listen to the podcast and the irony is in the podcast, Andrew Tate says, you guys call me a misogynist because you guys are zombified and you guys are brainwashed by the matrix to call me a misogynist, but I'm not. So he says the opposite in that. So there may be some other clip, but they've not been able to provide it. So in, in, in reality, they all copied each other about this statement and no one actually knows the original source of the statement. Yeah, I've I've heard him use use it in a um, self-deprecating, almost comical way. You know, like it's like it's clear to me when I hear him use that, um, or he's addressing it. He's he's just making fun of it. Like I'm the last person that you should consider a misogynist. I take care of women. I have a family. You know, I raise children, sort of thing. I look after the you know the people that I love. I've retired my mother. Um, so. But it's all the side don't believe in comedy, do they? That's the problem. No. Everything, when you don't like someone, everything's literal. Yeah, you know, they'll take everything liter literally, and that's what they do, right? Like they go looking for sound bites. You know, it it becomes a witch hunt. And to me, this this does seem like a witch hunt. Um, should we carry on? Yeah, yes, please. All right, let's go. Don't listen to anybody else. That's the reason I'm the most famous man on the planet, because none of these other people have the authority to affect them like I do. His videos have been viewed more than 12 billion times online, boasting about his lavish lifestyle and urging men to toughen up and take control of women. Life is war. It's a war for the female you want. It's a war for the car you want. It's a war for the money you want. It's a war for the status. If you're a man who doesn't view life as war, you're going to lose. I'm Paul Kenyon. I specialize in exposing criminality and have family in Romania, where Tate's empire prospered. And I'm Georgia Cohn. I'm from the same town as Tate, Luton. I know the same neighborhoods and some of the same people. My mum even grew up on the same council estate, Marsh Farm. We're doing this investigation together because Tate's alpha male, ultra-masculine message is aimed at young men. And his violent misogyny is something women like me find upsetting. Yep. It's a very short comment. 
violent misogyny. So where's the evidence for that statement? So again, you've thrown a statement out, which sounds completely horrendous, violent misogyny. Where's the evidence for violent misogyny? So you're going to see through this piece, I've, I've highlighted this point, where they'll make statements like these without ever backing it up with any evidence or data. Are they are they making reference to the video clip of uh, Andrew back in the day when he was quite a bit younger, where he was uh, filmed beating a woman with a belt? Um, it was, you know, revealed afterwards that that was consensual on both sides. And, you know, some people are into that. Like, is that what they're trying to amplify at this stage? Do you think? Well, we don't know because they've not provided any evidence. They do refer to that, st that issue later. So we, uh, we will go into detail about that when, when they bring it up. Okay, let's carry on. And extremely offensive. Tate is being held in a Romanian prison over allegations of human trafficking and rape. But he says it's all a setup by what he calls the Matrix, a conspiracy of the rich and powerful to shut him up. I just buried this so deeply. Tonight, Farlon Four has an exclusive interview with a British woman who says that she was controlled and abused by Andrew Tate. It was just constantly feeling inferior to him. I realized I just couldn't live like that anymore. And it wasn't normal. And I'm flying. Uh, sorry, I just want to pause on that for a moment here because I think it's relevant. Like, you know, one of the sound bites that they drop in here several times throughout the cast is I felt inferior to him. Like I constantly felt inferior to him. Well, I mean, if you're a woman and you're and you're dating a guy that's massive, I mean, he's you know, he's a giant. He's six foot two, six foot three. He's a retired kickboxer. He's got lots of money. It's, it's hard to feel superior to a guy like that. So why is this being amplified? You know, is a question that I have. Like, you know, I feel inferior to Elon Musk, right? I mean, me, me stating that, does that mean that Elon Musk is a violent misogynist, you know, towards me? You see what I'm driving at? It's here, an right? excellent point because someone's thought process of feeling inferior, inferiority should never have a basis. I would say the significant reasons, I think you give a prime example, but there's significant reasons and psychology that causes one to feel inferior. I would say... Uh, being Asian, coming from the United Kingdom, you have this kind of inferiority complex where you're trying to think, trying harder, trying to prove yourself harder. Does that mean that now entire society has caused that to happen? Probably not. So, hmm. um, yeah, there's significant issues. I, I, I totally agree with what you said. All right, let's carry on. To Romania to ask whether his boasts of vast wealth are all that they seem and what lies behind his network of companies. Well, having seen the information that you've shown me, it is quite hard to differentiate that from other networks I've seen which have ultimately ended up being shown to be money laundering or other financial criminal networks. Tonight, the shocking story behind one of the world's most infamous social media stars and how he became an icon of young men looking for fast money, fast girls and internet stardom. I'll give it to him. This is a well-produced audio piece. The sound, everything, it's spot on. Like they're they're definitely driving at something here, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's good. And also, uh, he's a very good narrator. Like he knows how to yeah. use his elocution, elocution at the right yeah. points yeah, so. to, to get his point across. It's a cold morning in January, and I'm on my way to see a young woman with an important story to tell. She's Andrew Tate's ex-girlfriend and she's decided to give her first interview to Farlon Paul. I think that's her, actually, because I recognise her from her pictures. I'm meeting her in a car park of a motorway service station because she's scared and doesn't feel comfortable to let us visit her at home. She asked if we can talk in my car. We're going to call her Sophie. 
She's worried about a possible online backlash from Tate's followers. Her words are spoken by an actor. If you Possibly. stop and... Yep. So first, there's two points here. The first thing is that they're saying they dramatized it and saying she's too scared. She's going to meet in the car park. But later on Twitter, they said she's the seventh victim now. So she's, she's going to be added to the case. If she's added to the case, she's not going to be anonymous. She's going to have to go to court. She's going to have to be questioned. She's going to have to be cross-examined. So again, it's providing drama when in reality, there's no drama basis for that drama because she's, she's going to be coming out publicly. That's the first point. And the second thing is the actor that is playing the woman and um, what you'll see is I'll have some comments about that later, but just to highlight your audience, this is an actor now. It's not an actual woman who does this talking or crying. Yeah, they've used a voice actor to, um, I guess, just read the lines that she stated. So, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that's a question. So if does that, so if there's like certain parts in there that, sh that the voice actor cries and shows emotion. So now is that based on a script? where the script is telling her to cry or was she there when the interview was occurring? So mm. in your experience, what do you think? Yeah, I guess we'll find out when we listen to this. And just take a breather, let us know, because we can do that. Okay, thank you. Thanks. She arrives wearing a black fur coat, looking flawless. She's nervous. Her hands are shaking as she speaks. It's very difficult because I don't feel like a victim. I mean, all the choices I made were of my free will. He didn't, you know, bundle me up in a bag, throw me in the back of a lorry and drive me there. But Pause, please. What? Yeah. I mean, do we need any comments? She literally states the whole thing and just demonstrates why this isn't trafficking. She basically, it was my free will. It was my choice. He didn't force me to go. Yeah. Um, that's not going to serve them in court, will it? I don't think it will anyway. I mean, we'll see yeah, how yeah, the I don't Romanian so. court system, you know, receive something like that. But if I was on the defense side, I would definitely use that. Um, let's carry on here. Point, does the emotional or psychological manipulation turn into being forced to do something? Andrew Tate and his younger brother Tristan are in custody in Romania while police investigate allegations of rape, trafficking and organized crime. Prosecutors say that the brothers recruited victims by seducing them and falsely claiming they wanted a relationship before manipulating them into working in their adult entertainment chat rooms. Everyone's been in love before. Everyone knows the power of that emotion and the things that you do for it. Any kind of rationale or logic kind of leaves your body and you find yourself doing things that maybe you wouldn't normally do. And this is and this is just another one of those situations. Since Sophie awesome. first met Andrew awesome. Yep. So look, I don't know the demographic, demographic of your audience, but if you're a male, this should be a concern to you. Because just think about how they're trying to frame this. What they're basically saying is, if someone falls in love with you or you fall in love with them, what does how does that work? Sometimes you do things for them, sometimes they do things for you. So now, if someone's in love with you, that person can say, at any time, because I was in love with that person, I was, and based on that, I didn't have autonomy. And so therefore, that person did things to me without consent. That's the extreme feminist world now we're moving towards. And this is propagated by this documentary. Yeah, that's a great point. Eight. He's gone from obscurity to global internet sensation, with his hyper-masculine content promoting male superiority spreading across all social media platforms. But his meteoric rise to fame last year came as no surprise to Sophie. It was kind of annoying to see his name everywhere, but I knew. I said it, I said it to all my friends. It's a matter of time before they figure out what's really going on here. She spent months in Romania with Tate, believing that she was Tate's girlfriend. 
But as you'll tell us later in this programme, he quickly became controlling and violent at his home on the outskirts of Bucharest. And that's where I'm heading now, a country I've been travelling back and forth to for nearly three decades. Romania has changed a lot. There are Porsches and Ferraris driving down these boulevards today and lots of young tech entrepreneurs posing outside fashionable restaurants. Now I'm on my way to Andrew Tate's house. I'm saying if you want to be happy as a man and you want to have a, a good relationship nowadays, you got to learn to pick up, sleep with, and you got to get, learn to tear through some chicks. Because if you're just gonna... So why did he leave Luton in the first place? And why Romania? In, in the Western legal systems, if a girl says something, she needs zero proof. They will come and they will arrest you and they'll put you on bail and they will search your stuff and go through your phone and go through your personal life and find new things to charge you with. It's insanity. And, and I thought, I can't live under this system anymore, so I had to move somewhere with common sense rules. Those common sense rules mean that the Romanian prosecutor... It seems like he didn't escape that. He's he's dealing with the same issues in Romania, isn't he? Yeah, and, 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 and the thing is, I mean, it is ironic, and I'll give the BBC producer credit that he didn't reframe that as other people do. Mm -hmm. Others reframe it as making it look like he was trying to break, break the law or he was trying to find another country where he could basically break the law or, you know, take advantage of women. So just to just to give him some credit, he actually pointed out quite rightly that it is a great irony that he went to a country thinking the laws would be not as mental in terms of the Me Too movement and basically man hate. But in reality, he ended up getting stuck about the same situation. Yeah. Now say he's too dangerous to release while they continue investigating his activities. He might be having some regrets about that earlier interview. This is probably 40 percent of the reason I moved to Romania. They go, oh, well, you're a rapist. I say, no, I'm not a fucking rapist. But I like the idea of being able to just say to, to do what I want. I like being free. Right. I'm just approaching Tate's house along here. We've just been past a big sprawling Orthodox cemetery. And there's a rubbish tip here. And a lot of wasteland is pretty bleak. And it's supposed to be just down here. And I've got to tell you, this isn't the kind of place you'd expect a, a trillionaire to live at all. Tate's home looks more like a meat factory than a social media star's villa. If I'd got here a week or so earlier, the car park outside would be full of supercars, Lamborghinis, Bugattis. But they were seized by police after Tate and his brother were arrested back in December. Police also found gold watches, guns, knives and money. The cars and watches alone came to 3.7 million euros. There's property and land on top of that. So, here, this is going to be one example, but it'll happen throughout many times where there'll be contradictions within this show. So first of all, he highlights the extreme value of the assets that were seized. So he said 3.7 million, which would indicate that someone is of wealth if they've got assets, disposable assets of that, of that value. But then on the other hand, he frames the entire discussion as trying to say, guess what? He has no money. It's all fake. And he's trying to demonstrate a certain lifestyle that isn't uh, seeped in reality so that's one example of contradiction another thing is that he tries to frame his house as some kind of meat factory now it could be possible and from the pictures it doesn't look luxurious from the outside but that doesn't mean that it's not luxurious on the inside so again it's the way he's framing it which is to basically make it look like some kind of psychopath yeah and you know jerry's pointing out here in the chat they keep using the term trillionaire which I think is an exaggerated term that Andrew used to sort of amplify his aura. There's, he's not a trillionaire, you know, trillionaires would have yachts and own private jets. They don't, they don't rent them, you know, sort of thing. Like we don't even have trillionaires. Like Elon Musk is a billionaire. 
That's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's not trillionaire. And, and again, that's an example of the media taking his statements literally. Like, he's not a trillionaire. He's just a wealthy man. He's yeah. obviously a millionaire. And also on top of that as well, I would say his company, Hustle, um, the real world, is probably worth about, is probably a billion pound company. So depending on how you evaluate someone's worth, there's different, different ways of doing it. Yeah. All right, let's carry on here. Where did it all come from? How did Tate amass such wealth? Tate was a champion kickboxer, born in America, but trained in a Luton gym. I don't go down, I kick my shit. Hey, the guy who gave me this black eye, he quit first because I bossed him in his face and he fell down, so I still won. Ripped, violent, and hyper-masculine. It would all feed into his later online persona. When he left the ring, he was looking for fame. And in 2016, he appeared in Big Brother. I don't care if nobody down there likes me. I'm sure by now, everyone's already pre-decided they don't like me, and that's fine. So I know I'm the most intelligent person in this house, I know I'm the most capable person in this house. Fact. But his first shot at fame went wrong. He was thrown out of the Big Brother house after videos emerged of him beating an ex-girlfriend with a belt. Later, it turned awesome. out he'd also been... So this one is well known through social media and it shows a lack of journalism, a lack of either integrity or a lack of doing the job properly. Because in reality, when it comes to this alleged beating, there's significant amount of videos out there. It literally took me like 20 minutes to find all the videos that a woman comes out that, who allegedly is beaten and comes out twice or three two times and says i consented and then she comes out another couple of times to say look i support andrew tate now why that's important is you've basically got a woman saying i consented and obviously those actions seem don't seem right so for example from my paradigm which is a traditional paradigm that's unacceptable but from a western liberal paradigm this kind of king type behavior is is normal We've seen that from, and I had an interaction with Kenyon about this. We saw that with the Fifty Shades of Grey, which is the biggest selling um, um, book of all time, written by a woman talking about very, very extreme kink type behavior. So to pretend that that doesn't exist in society is completely ridiculous. That's the first point. And to ignore that the woman has come out and, and said, it was consensual and actually there's even a video where she actually says to him look you're not mad you're not man enough you're a, you're not hitting me hard enough so there's even a video where she's basically go goading him to say look do a better job in this role play so mm -hmm. again that, that's my comments on that okay been under investigation by hertfordshire police over allegations of rape allegations the crown prosecution service chose not to pursue in 2019 because there was no realistic prospect of a conviction next he launched a webcam business um, Again, and this is what Vice tried to do as well. The issue in United Kingdom with Hertfordshire Police, they try and frame, frame it as though, you know what, the police dropped it. They didn't want to take it forward. No, that's not what happened. What happened was in the United Kingdom, especially in the past, what they would do is whenever some a woman claimed rape, they would take their phones. They would then investigate them phones and analyze them. So they did that with these two women who claimed that they'd been, uh, you know, they'd been raped. And when they'd gone and looked at those um, phones, what they found is that these women were sending audio notes to each other, colluding to lie. And so when they saw that, they then decided that, look, these women are colluding, and therefore they decided to drop it based on that reason. They also informed the women and said, guess what? This is the reason. The women informed Vice and said, this was the reason why the investigation was dropped. But Vice, 
as well as vice people who were writing on Twitter, either didn't highlight it or framed it in a totally different manner. And then you saw on BBC where, again, they framed it in an incorrect manner. Yeah, I saw them breeze, breeze over that evidence too. Like it, it seemed clear to me that the English authorities found there was insufficient evidence to pursue it, so they dropped it. And, you know... But not just insufficient. There was actually evidence shown they were colluding. Collusion, okay. Okay, yeah. good point. Paying women to perform sexual acts for men online. Streaming the content to potentially thousands of paying punters. It can be lucrative and Tate developed. Punter is a British term for what, Simp? Um, British, so I missed that, sorry. British punter. Yeah. Uh, what does that mean, punter? I'm not, sorry, I, I missed the content. So punter could be someone who gambles as well, but I'm not sure I didn't I missed the con content. All right, uh, let me just back it up uh, 20 seconds and play it again. In 2019, because there was no realistic prospect of a conviction. Next, he launched a webcam business, paying women to perform sexual acts for men online, streaming the content to potentially thousands of paying punters. Oh, it just means paying people, I think. Okay. It can be lucrative, and Tate developed a taste for it. He wanted to expand. More women equals more money. And he came here to Romania. We started this little webcam business from my apartment. And it just grew and grew and grew. And it got to the point where at one point I had 75 women working for me in four locations. Damn. And I'm doing $600,000 a month from webcam. In Romania, webcamming is not just legal, it's booming. It's supposed to be the biggest center for that kind of entertainment in the whole of Europe. And it's another reason that Tate came here in the first place. So, sorry, awesome. I mean, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, um, it's not legal to run a webcam studio in Romania. It's completely legal. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's an important point to know because, again, everyone's been framing this whole thing as um, illegality. But in reality, he said quite clearly, it's legal. And you'll see now, he'll go to a studio and let's see how he frames that compared to the way he frames Tate's uh, webcam business. Hmm. Right. Where is this place? It's supposed to be up there on the sixth floor of a former shopping mall, which has been converted into a 40 bedroom, top end webcam business. They're gonna give me a tour. For each of the room, we have a different design. So you're not gonna have two rooms at the same in our studio. I'm at Best Studios in Romania's capital, Bucharest. And this is the Rolls Royce of the webcam industry with acres of Italian marble floors, sumptuous furniture, and lots of young, enthusiastic university graduates on its books. Maria Borregina is the operations manager. Dressed in expensive silk blouse, hair cropped and bleached blonde, she's a former webcam woman herself. We are a studio. We provide models the space from where they can stream online. We provide them the training and everything they need to be a good model online. She explains that the girls are treated like stars, given tuition. Now, sorry, I'm just going to pause it for a sec. I'm not, I'm not clear because as I understand it, Andrew and Tristan got out of running webcam girls years ago. They found the drama between the girls and uh, the um, effort required, like the ROI to run the business wasn't really worth it. So from what I understood from my conversations with him, they got out of the business. But the way that they're describing this conversation is this uh, unit, this unit on the sixth story of this old shopping plaza with 40 rooms is still being run by him. Is that correct? No, no. So what they're trying to say is they're going to a different webcam studio, which he's claiming is the Rolls Royce of webcam studios. So this has no affiliation with the Tate's 
And so that's important because look how he's framing it. Oh, it's amazing. You know, they, they train the women. It's a very brilliant business model. They give the kids women training. They provide a platform. It's marble floors and so on and so forth. So can you see how he's framing this entire business as something which is done in a, in a brilliant manner? Now compare that to the way he's framing the way the Tates are doing the business very differently because he doesn't know if the women are in good condition when it comes to Tate. And actually, based on the documents that we've released at the moment, there's been zero allegations that the conditions were terrible. So from that, one can surmise that conditions were good. And yet he's framing one as good and one is bad. In terms of your second point about the webcam, from the court documents, you're right. It doesn't seem like they're actually in trouble for webcam. It seems like they're actually in trouble for only fans and TikTok. Okay. Helped with makeup and clothes, and that paying punters around the world log into their streams. You have a free chat section where every member or guest of the site can see you and they have access to you. And then you have a private session where the members, they have to pay to see you and talk to you. So are not allowed to show nudity at all. Then you have the premium site where in free chat, they allow you to do whatever you want. You can be naked, you can use sexual toys. It depends on you, whatever you want to do. The company takes around 10% of the women's earnings, though it's standard for studios to take up to 50. Maria explains with great care. Another important point. He says it's standard practice for studios to take 50%. And in the court documents, it states that the worst woman, so the worst claim, the worst claim is in terms of the proportion she receives is the woman says, I received 50% and Andrew Tate received 25%. So she is receiving double of what Andrew Tate is receiving. So that is important because this Rolls Royce or standard practice, what he calls, it's not the Rolls Royce, but the standard practice that he calls, what he calls standard practice is 50%. So how is that extortion? Why that's important is an important element of human trafficking is that you're exploiting or it's essentially modern day slavery. So the person, people are working on a slave contract. So how can it be that you're working on a slave contract when you're receiving 50% of the revenue whilst Andrew Tate is receiving half of that and he has to pay for the, whatever the ex normal business expenditures. Now, now the critics watching this will bark if I don't bring this up, but there's a video out there somewhere. I think of a private educational course that he sold where he states that um, he would tell the girls that it would be 50-50, but he needs them to fill out a form to withhold uh, whatever it was, 20% taxes, so they would get 30, but he would never pay the taxes and throw the, like the form in the garbage. How does that, um, how do you think that that's going to affect his case? Well, I think that's an important point you made because what it is, is first of all, that's a very old video. So let's assume there's two possibilities. Either he did do that, or he was just saying it as bravado. And what people mm. don't understand is, in terms of the bravado aspect, one has to understand that where he's come from. He's come from basically Luton, which is and from a council estate, which if you were to provide a comparison to the United States, is like a ghetto. So when people come from that kind of upbringing, you, ha you talk in this way, this kind of like gangster type way, look, I'm a G, I'm a gangster, I made a trillion, you know, uh, I'm giving that girl 30%, but really it should be 50%. So there's a possibility that he was talking in that manner. But let's, so that's one possibility. And one cannot be convicted on what you say online 
unless you've de there's demonstrated evidence that you've done that. For example, if I say I killed Malcolm, but Malcolm's not dead, I'm not going to get convicted for killing him. It doesn't matter what I said online. But if I said I killed Malcolm and then Malcolm's actually dead, then you're like, well, you know what? This sounds like a confession. So him saying it, there has to actually be evidence that he's done it. So now looking at it, the evidence is suggesting he didn't do it. The evidence is saying, actually, he received half. So he received 25% and the women received 50% as opposed to what that video is saying, where he received 70% and the women received 30%. That's the first point. The second point, that in, even in that video, he contradicts himself a few times. First, he says, I take all the money. So you can snip that out and make him look bad. In the same video, he says, we get 50-50. And then later in the video, he says, oh, I give a 30 because of tax reasons. So they're the two points that I think are quite important about that issue. Okay is taken when it comes to recruitment to make sure the women are under no pressure or being exploited. If she doesn't feel comfortable, she can leave any time. They don't have a contract here uh, to keep them collaborating with us. She can leave any time she wants. It's very strange because if you go to any webcam model in Romania, she will never tell you that she was feeling that fear and that she was coerced to stay in a studio. Never. The same can't be said for Sophie, Tate's ex from the UK. She thought that she was going to be his girlfriend. She had no idea what actually lay in store. He approached me on Facebook originally, completely out of the blue. It didn't ring any bells. But just right off the back, the way he spoke, the way he made me feel, he was very charming and he made himself seem very familiar. He made me feel very comfortable. There were no red flags at all in the beginning. He just took an interest in my day-to-day -day life, wanted to know what I was into, what made me happy. It was developing naturally. Sophie says that he then asked her to join him in Romania. She'd never met him before, but it felt right to Sophie in that moment. I was at a stage of my life where everything sort of felt a bit boring and a bit dull and this idea of an adventure and then lifestyle and this guy seems so into me and he's making me smile every day and the idea just seems attractive to me. So Sophie came to Romania and she ended up in Tate's weird meat factory home. The possible seemed fine. So can you see, again, she's providing consent. She's saying, look, at this guy, we started a relationship. I really liked him. And then I decided to move out. The presenter says, oh, Tate suggested it. Irrespective of who suggested it, she's completely been clear that it was her autonomous decision to move to Romania. So is that now the case that if somebody, if two people are in love or they meet each other from different cities and one person moves and they don't like the relationship, you can then basically claim human trafficking. Because again, that's how they're framing it. So can you see how, when you're framing these ideas, the ramifications of it, that's why I say, you may not like Tate. You may not like the things he's done. You may not like the entire industry that he's part of. But when you're basically highlighting certain issues and framing them as trafficking or framing them as rape, you better be well damn sure that whatever principle you're using, that they're very well-defined principles. Because guess what? They always go after people you don't like first. And then they then use them principles to go after you. Yeah, this is, um, yeah, let's, let's carry on. Let's carry on with this. At the start, he was quite charming. But then something strange happened. Well, the first couple of days of being with him, he was as I expected him to be. And then I can't remember how long I was there for the first time. I think it was four or five days. It was quite a long time considering it was the first time we'd met. But... He just disappeared in the middle of the night. He was in bed next to me and I heard him get up and I thought he's just gone to the bathroom and he just didn't come back. Sophie was in his house alone for days. The man she thought was her boyfriend had vanished. It was odd and in hindsight, a little disturbing. 
but she had no idea that this was his MO, that he targeted women that he hoped would work in his expanding webcam empire, treating them like property. Tate had devised his own... So two points. First thing is, he disappears for five days. You move to a different country. If that doesn't ring alarm bells, what does? Like, if you've got an issue there, you could have left. Why didn't you leave? First point. Second point is this. He, she says that he treats women as property. She doesn't provide the data or evidence for this, but one can only surmise that he, she's referring to the interview with Pierce Morgan, I assume. If she's referring to the interview with Pierce Morgan, he's quite clear that what he means by that is not property in terms of an asset, but what he means is in a traditional family, whether it comes to the Judeo-Christian or Muslim, so the Abrahamic religions, there's this idea that when you get married, there's a, one pays a dowry to the family and there's a contract that occurs and then the woman is then becomes part of the man's family. So he explains that quite well and explains the, his reasoning for it, even if you may disagree. But what I will say is this, the reason why the West find that harder to believe is because in the West, they actually consider men the property of women. Because if you look at it, and I can just give the United Kingdom's example, in the United Kingdom, men are the property of women. Because as soon as you get married to a woman, it's you're basically signing a deal to say there's a one-way monogamous relationship where a man isn't allowed to cheat. If he does, she will divorce him and she will take half of everything he's got. On the other hand, a woman doesn't sign the same agreement because she can be polygamous. She can cheat on him and th there's no ramifications because if she does, what, what will happen? The man then has a decision to make. Either he accepts it and allows a polygamous relationship to continue and or he says this is unacceptable. If he says it's unacceptable, he divorces her, she takes half of everything he's got. So in the West, man is the property of woman, hence why they don't like that statement. Yeah, that's a fair statement. Um, we got a question here. Were the Tates still doing webcam work in 2022? I don't know if you caught it earlier, but I asked them about it during a podcast, and my understanding was they got out of the business years ago. I don't know if you've heard anything different. Um, yeah, so according to the documents, it, they weren't doing webcam. It's actually on, uh, OnlyFans and um, OnlyFans. TikTok. Okay. All right, let's carry on here user's guide for how to recruit women into webcamming, which he shared on something called pickupartisttools.com, not a site I frequent. In it, Tate explains the secrets of how he target. Sorry, let me just pause that for a second, because I, I looked up pickupartisttools.com. Pick up it's an affiliate site that, that links to a lot of different pickup artists, courses and material. I don't believe that the Tates put their material there. I believe they have an affiliate code that's listed somewhere and whoever runs the site posts the link to all these offers that they have out there. So I think they frame that unfairly. Yeah, that's, that's, that was my understanding as well. It's young, sometimes vulnerable women. Listen to this. I don't mention webcam until after I've had sex with the girl. If you're on dates and you're trying to mention it and shit, it just doesn't work. It puts them all. I'd never do that. That's disgusting. I'm not a whore. Uh, it's just not going to work. Listen to what Sophie says happened when she finally flew in to Romania. There was no mention of webcamming when they talked on Facebook. She thought that this was about romance. I didn't really think of, you know, what could this really be about? And it didn't really cross my mind. So there was some naivety there, I guess, from my part. And here's Tate again, teaching how to exert pressure on potential recruits. Then you start mentioning things like, yeah, but you know, you're always busy. You're always at work. You can come work for me. A couple of times he'd said to me, 
oh, you should do it. You make a fortune, but you don't have to, you know, if you don't want to. You, you don't have to do Cross, it. Please. You can do nothing. I'm so two points. The first thing is, this is, again, people's incorrect understanding of how it works. They are trying to make it look like that this love of that boy method or whatever you call it is actually illegal in itself. But it's not because this is a normal mechanism by which people start relationships. You know, you provide, you know, you demonstrate the best part of you. The woman demonstrates the best part of that. And then you decide to go in a relationship. It's only when you then apply this and it meets the standards of human trafficking. Like I said previously, slavery not being able to have free movement and so on and so forth. Then, and you meet all them conditions, does that apply? And then you apply to human trafficking. So it's people trying to incorrectly apply. And so people, I've seen it online where they're automatically like, guess what? This looks like Loverboy, he's guilty. No, that's just a, one aspect to use to then prove the greater aspect, which is human trafficking. And they fail to do that. And the second point is this, she says, he says to her, you don't have to do it if, I don't, if you don't want to. That sounds like consent. That yeah, sounds... they always had the option to leave and they were getting paid. So how are they held against their will? That's that's the confusing part, right? Yeah. Make enough money. As I said, you cannot try and approach girls to do webcam. So you don't want girls in it for money. You want girls within it to be with you. But he was always reminding me that the option was there and that kind of progressed into, well, if you love me, you would do it. If you care about me, you would do it because, you know, this is my business and we can build something together and make all this money and we can buy property and we can invest and we can build this this thing together. Now, Tate talks about closing the deal. He so just a quick one. We'll build it together. We'll make money together. We'll buy properties together. That is a business deal, a business transaction where two family members have gone are part of a business family members in terms of because they have a relationship in this regard so again that does not that demonstrates that it doesn't meet the standards of human trafficking once again he says you take the woman to a smart restaurant where a previously recruited webcammer will come along and help with the coercion it starts with alcohol martinis 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 bang threesome slam them both the bottom bitch knows this girl's like okay well i'll try it Put both girls on camera together the first day. Give them a bottle of vodka. The guys will send loads of money to get the girls drunk. I think over time, just chipping away at me eventually, led me to think, Oscar. yeah, maybe he's right. So can you see how he's, they've played that clip to make Andrew Tate sound bad, which obviously doesn't sound great. But the woman, in, in the women's story, there's no woman who talks to her. There's no bottom B who comes and talks to her and tries to convince her. So again, you see how they play in audios, but then her story doesn't match those audios. Yeah. They don't line up. Maybe I should be doing it. And I guess it depends on the individual girl, the tactics he uses. It depends on the situation, the road he will go down to get them to doing it. That's how you recruit girls. Do not recruit girls any other way. More than a thousand miles away from Bucharest in my car in that motorway service station car park, Sophie had a lot of time to reflect on those years with Andrew Tate. She'd done modeling and pole dancing before working for Tate. So it was an industry that she'd been on the fringes of, but she'd been pulled in by Tate's promise of romance and had never planned to end up in the situation she found herself in. Pause, please. It's all... So mm -hmm. from my information, she was in the business, but let's just go with what she said. So she was a pole dancer. So, and she says it was an industry that she was on the fringes of. My argument is actually, if you're in a strip club and you're a pole, a pole dancer, you are in the sex industry and you're in it from a more physical interaction when it comes to men as opposed to being behind a camera 
Uh, we got a question here, uh, or sorry, statement. The, the woman that that woman was deluded in her own fantasy of a relationship and decided to take revenge when she realized her fantasy was nothing in reality and she couldn't face her delusions. Victim mindset. Um, look, you know, women always reserve the right to change their mind at any given time. And if you two become popular and famous and say controversial things in ways that aren't warm and fuzzy and covered in rainbows and butterflies, you two could be, you know, in Andrew Tate's type of scenario. So this, this is something that men need to pay attention to, you know, for being honest here. Yeah, you need to be safe. Manipulation and there's an ulterior motive to everything he does. It's difficult for people to understand that having felt how manipulative he is or other men can be unless you've, you've had an experience of that. What she's described to Georgia appears to be a form of psychological coercion, which in the UK is called grooming and in Romania has a different name, though it's just as serious. What you're talking about is something that we call the Romeo trafficker or the lover boy technique. Iona Bauer is from Romanian NGO e Liberare that helps women who've been trafficked. Victims will not necessarily self-identify as victims. They're always going to find explanations of why that is happening. However, you always have to follow the money. Who is profiting from there? Um, is the trafficker actually taking money that's being generated by that particular person? We tend to think of human trafficking as forcing people across borders and keeping them against their will. But psychological coercion is also a form of this dirty business. Human trafficking is actually hidden in plain sight. The chains that we maybe imagine, they're not always visible. A lot of times they're psychological. It might be the fact that they're so ashamed somebody's going to find out what has happened to them that they're literally stuck. I went back to Pipera, the neighborhood where Tate's house is, because we'd had a tip-off. Nearby, awesome. in a row of... So I did talk about the lover boy method, but and I've already um, demonstrated why that's flawed. But look, again, another example. So they're saying it's psychological coercion. And then what what do they mean by that? How do how do you know something is psychological conversion uh, coercion? Because in reality, when you look at the information that's been presented, it's mainly a guy and a girl who liked each other. The girl came over to Romania, and there was some kind of relationship. There was a possibility of webcam, or she did do it for a short period of time. How was that coercion? Like coer that it just does not meet the requirements. And why that's a concern once again is I, I don't want. I keep um, talking about it, but look, we do live in a world, a man-hating world, where men's problems are completely ignored. And so now you're having a scenario where a man can be taken out for the minimalist reason, because you can literally just say, he psychologically manipulated me, and you can basically accuse him of anything. And just to demonstrate that men hatred is so high is because look, even this issue, rape, we know Data, com data completely shows that actually it's men who are raped more than women in the United States. And yet no one will ever tell you that. Men go through significant issues that, wi that women don't go through, but no one ever highlights it because we live in a world where nobody cares about men. And so this is another way of degrading men. I know, I know men that have been raped and nobody listens, nobody cares. It's how, you know, how, how do you rape a man? I'll tell you the story one day offline when we're not running the camera, but women have done it. Uh, let me just throw this up on the screen here. Uh, Tom says, uh, why not hold women accountable who lure thirsty men online and end up fleecing them for money with a promise of meeting up for love, intimacy? Yeah, that, look, it's, true. you know, it's true. very true. Like it's, there's it's women that, that said- That is psychological coercion. And yeah. the second thing is what Tom's actually highlighted is something even more important. 
This entire industry, which everyone's been telling you is the manipulation of men, uh, women, sorry, or the exploitation of women is not. This entire industry, and I mean all of these industries are actually exploitation of men. So whether it's webcam, OnlyFans, TikTok, Instagram, all of these are what? Go get, trying to get to men who don't have the ability to interact with women and basically manipulating them to give them significant amount of money. If, that, if, if you're talking about exploitation and psychological exploitation, I would say that is a greater or a higher degree of exploitation than anything we've talked about in this show up to now. Yeah, let me state this. Look, you know, a woman can attract a massive audience. Like, there's a very clear path that I see on TikTok where you see a woman dancing. She's in something extremely provocative. And she says, I like dad bods, pear-shaped men, men over 60, and nerds like me. And she's a smoke show. She's a 10, right? And then you click on her bio, and it takes you to Instagram because they can't put OnlyFans in the bio of TikTok, but they can in Instagram. And on Instagram, oh, look, there's her OnlyFans. And then they lure these guys in, and then they end up selling them uh, jars of their farts, jars of their bath waters. They'll, they'll, they'll ship out used tampons. And these thirsty betas pay for it. But that's okay because then they're strong and empowered and they're entrepreneurs. But when a man is running the OnlyFans or the Cam Girl Studio, then all of a sudden when women want to change their minds about it, uh, you know, they have a different view, right? Excellent, Paul. Brookside Style Semis is a house where some of Tate's webcam women perform. One of them's on the doorstep. She turns out to be a Romanian woman in her early 20s called Jasmina. And on her arm is a tattoo that says Tate's name, like she's been branded. She didn't want to speak to us, but she's being treated as a victim by Romanian prosecutors. Hi, Georgia. Um, we've just met a couple of Tate's webcamers, and um, they've got these tattoos on their arms that say things like Tate's girl or Tate's property. It's like a kind of branding or something. Yeah, I think Sophie has a tattoo as well, and she talked about how Andrew Tate convinced her it was a good idea to have one, even though she now realises how crazy it sounds. There was another girl that had one done. Oh, he was sending me pictures of... I've never heard one of these girls that say that they had they had tattooed themselves under duress, like like you know they were marched into a tattoo parlor and branded or anything like this. I mean, look, you know, it's a voluntary movement. You know, if a woman puts your name on her body, consider it as, uh, you know, like a highest form of flattery. Totally agree. And the second point I want to note is again, uh, Paul Kenyon said on Twitter, "Guess what." There's secret recordings in this, which, and he tried to infer that there were some big bombshells. I was like, oops, I'm not meant to say that. If this is the secret recording, there's nothing there. Like, what are you on about? So I guess, I guess that I, I accept, I understand that he's trying to sell his uh, documentary so that people watch it, but it's just ridiculous. Hmm. Carry on. Saying, look, I don't give a shit about her. She's nothing to me. She just works for me, and she did it. So why haven't you done it? Why haven't you got one? You're my, you know, you're my girlfriend. You're obviously not that committed. And it felt like it was something that I had to do. So there she was, branded with Andrew Tate's name. And she says doing everything he asked her to do to keep him happy. But the control was getting worse. If she went out with friends without his permission, she'd have to pay a fine. This form of control and domination, a kind of assertive masculinity, had fed into Andrew Tate's persona on social media. An alpha male, a hustler who boasts of having underworld connections, sprawled in front of a blanket of dollar notes, a cigar permanently gripped between his teeth. His nickname became Top G. In street slang, the G stands for gangster. 
Top G is an individual who is capable in all realms. When you are Top G, you are dangerous at everything. That's why I'm Top G. You might laugh at some of Tate's online rants, but this is serious and dangerous stuff that millions of young people are buying into. There's a large contingent of men out there who don't want to wear makeup, who don't want to be girls, who don't- Tate has filled his social media accounts with posts urging men to seize back their masculinity. Who want to have hot chicks. And there's nothing wrong with us. We are not evil. We are not bad. It's worth knowing that some of what Tate says is reasonable and constructive. He speaks about curing low self-esteem among young men, telling followers to rise early, train at the gym, push themselves to succeed. But he throws into the mix some toxic misogyny and it can be difficult for teenage boys to disentangle the good from the bad. Slap, slap, grab, choke, shut up, bitch, sex. He's talked awesome. openly about violence against... Yeah, I think so we've seen is... that clip. Yeah. So everybody knows this clip. Again, it either shows shoddy journalism or nefarious reasons for not showing it. And actually on Twitter already, there was there's a, a Twitter handle called Sense who's demonstrated or shown the entire clip where it's literally he's explaining that when a woman attacks me this is what would happen so again when you take things out of context you can make anyone look bad but again another horrendous example of what bbc did and the vice did the exact same thing guys you have to be very very careful about what you put out there you know um some have said that he just flew cl too close to the sun and he's you know he's very you know andrew's a very opinionated man I know Luton, like I was born in Luton. You know, I know what the town's like. You know, we left England when I was very young, obviously. Um, that's that's the kind of car caricature that you sort of develop coming from that sort of environment. And I get the, like the comical part of it. Like I get the comedy underneath it. But I think that if you strip that away completely and just listen to the literal words, that's where you run into problems. 100%. But I think I think that's unfair to basically ignore the person's background and upbringing. What essentially they're, gonna, they're saying is, guess it's what? It's unfair, but it's convenient though, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, oh, let's go back on the screen here. It's women who wouldn't do as he said. And by August 2022, he'd been banned from all the major social media platforms. But far from neutering him, his notoriety exploded. His content has been viewed 12 billion times on TikTok, eclipsing Hollywood actors and rock stars. Teachers across the UK are becoming increasingly concerned about Tate's influence on the boys in their classroom. They've arranged workshops and extra training to tackle his potentially dangerous influence on young people. And it's not just the UK where he's having an impact. If you've never met a Tate fan, just follow me into this coffee bar beside a prestigious high school in a wealthy district of Bucharest. We love Andrew. Huh? We love I Andrew. think, yes, we love him. He just speaks for most of our people. He teaches us important lessons about life. He teaches us things that we are not taught at school. Like um, how to act when uh, you talk to a girl, when you need to start a business. Yeah, but he, the way he tells you to talk to girls is not good, is it? Because it's quite bullying and it's quite misogynistic. No. Pause, please. Again, can you see the leading question? The way he tells you to talk to the girls is misogynistic and uh, it's inappropriate. So again, he's asking these boys leading questions and even then they say, no, no, that's not what he taught us. So can you see how there's this kind of agenda playing and even then the boys, the young lads who are easily impressionable are like, no, that's, that's not what he teaches us. Yeah, like I said earlier, you know, you, this is a fishing expedition. They're going to try to catch something and if you can't catch it, you're going to have to try to manufacture it. So that's why you ask these leading type of questions, right? 
it depends on the girl, honestly. Uh, if you if you find a girl that is like educated, uh, stuff he talks about, you won't work on that girl. But if you talk to a hoe, you talk to a what? <laughs> <laughs> to a hoe? Yeah. What would your mum say if she saw how he spoke? Um, she would be not okay with it, but she would not disagree, honestly. Come on. You're kidding me. Your mum wouldn't like it if, he, if oh, she saw please. what he was saying about... Can you see? This is an example of what I'm talking about. I don't know Kenyan's background, but he's a he. He, he seems like he's a he, he seems like he's from an affluent background, and so he doesn't understand the psyche of working class people when they talk in a certain manner. So when he uses that word, which obviously we find inappropriate, but in street talk, that's just normal talk. What they mean is a loose woman. So I can say loose woman, and that's another word for it in the streets. So it just demonstrates how he finds it shocking. But then these young lads who probably were from working class backgrounds as well are explaining our mum would not find a problem with it. Why? Because it's just a terminological use. It's inappropriate to use in a public space. But what they basically mean is a loose woman. So again, can you see how uh, affluent man is not understanding the psyche of the working class? Yeah, let me state this as well. Look, you know, men are considered, you know, success objects and women are beauty objects. And when women's value is derived from their purity, right? So when a woman violates that, then there's a label attached to that. Now, it's it's completely okay. And I heard this on the radio this morning on one of these, um, you know, sequences where there's a couple that call in and she's calling him on the air broke, a loser because he doesn't have money. So it's okay to shame a guy because his financial, you know, status, but it's not okay to say something that might be considered as derogatory if she's had a promiscuous past, right? Like these are just observations that you have to sort of take into place in the world that we live in today. I think you've just hit the nail on the head. You see the double standards in society. If you look at it, you mentioned about rape. What happens to, in the media, how is male rape or male um, um, castration dealt with? It's dealt with with humor. It's funny. It's funny. But would that work with women? No, it wouldn't. So, for example, if you were talking about castrating a woman's uh, woman's um, parts, would that be acceptable? No, it wouldn't. So you could just see how a man has been ridiculed in society. They're basically, you're allowed to do anything to a man, whereas the same doesn't work for women. So that's the society we live in. It's a man-hatred society. Women? And what about your mom? She wouldn't like it, but there are some things that I agree with that he's, he talks about. Like uh, trying to bring back uh, masculinity. Are you or, against the top G? What, why do you call him the top G? Because he's the top G. He's famous, he has money, he has females, he has everything. What these young men tend not to talk about is the violent nature of Tate's relationships with women. And Sophie was experiencing Tate's violence firsthand. Pause, please. There was... Just a short comment. So they don't experience the violent nature. They don't experience it. So what she's actually saying is, guess what? He, he, she believes that he's got a violent nature, but that's not what young people are learning. So if anything, she's defeating her point saying the young people are not learning the bad things from him. They only learn the good things from him. Mm some disagreement about something and he just you know he held me up against the wall and he slapped me really hard and followed it with you whore you something or other in bed rough sex turned into something she hadn't consented to look i'll say this you know if a man throws you up against the wall and slaps you then there should be a police record for that for any of that it doesn't matter who does it to who just saying exactly and that's that's my that's what my advice to all women is if a man hurts you really if he takes advantage of you and if he does something non-consensual, go to the police immediately. You will have our support because we're not saying 
no, none of these things happen. What we're saying is if there's a scenario where something happens and then you continue a relationship for months and months and years and years, and then you claim that rape happened three years earlier, even though your relationship continued for three years after that period, that's when there's going to be question marks about it. And there's, and there's missing context too. We have no idea if she threw things at him, if she attacked him, you have no idea what the other side of the story, this is just her making a statement, you know, for convenience. Most of the violence was, was sexual. That's obviously something that he's into. He likes to feel completely in control of the woman and feel like he could take their life away at any second. That is a big sexual turn on for him, which is crazy and disgusting. But at the time, I was just... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Fifty Shades of Grey is entirely based on this fault. Like, this is what women subscribe to. When you look at the Google searches of what women use on internet for their, their smut, what turns them on, pirates, billionaires, surgeon, women love a powerful, strong man, right? Uh, you know, this is and, going and, a little and bit... And just to add to that, direction. I agree completely. And just to add to that in terms of... Um, again, I wrote my post saying, look, I expect the BBC documentary to be biased and so on and so forth. And then Paul Kenyon, the guy who made this, replied and said, oh, so it's okay to choke a woman out. So then I replied and said, look, there's significant data to suggest. Or for example, I showed somebody else showing the data and I said, look, it clearly shows that, guess what? Women are actually into this idea of asphyxiation where it's close to getting choked out and there's a kind of a euphoria that occurs within it. There's a lot of information that shows that. There's a lot of medical journals that demonstrate that. So, and when I replied to him and refuted his point, there was no other reply because he knows the data doesn't show. The data suggests that yeah. actually women do partake in this as well as. There's a um, there's a book that I um, listen to. It's on Audible. It's called A Billion Wicked Thoughts. So, if you want to get into what the human psyche is really about and what kind of disgusting um, things that women are attracted to, men as well, go go get that book and listen to it or read it because it's got a lot of data in it, factual data, in fact. This is just the tip of the iceberg here. So intense. And again, guys, if it's consensual, you know, why does it matter? I wanted to please him and just wanting him to be happy that I was kind of just, yeah, okay, do do whatever you want. Consent. But yeah, looking back on Sorry, just one word, consent. Consent, good. Yeah. He, uh... He used to, I mean, he used to strangle me. That that was the thing that he, to the, to the point where I actually passed out once. And I think he panicked then because he knew he'd gone too far. After some time, Sophie decided to leave Andrew Tate, realising that she'd had enough of constantly feeling inferior to him. Mentally, she was broken by the relationship. We put all of Sophie's allegations to Andrew Tate's legal team. We spoke to them Pass, by please. email and on the phone. So can you see, again... When she wanted to end the relationship, she left. So where's this kidnapping, trafficking, and not being able to leave? It's completely the opposite. She had a relationship. She didn't like the relationship, and she left. Fair point. Absolutely. Phone. And finally, we received a WhatsApp message. They said they wouldn't be issuing a statement. In April last year, one of Tate's webcam women, an American who lived in his house in Bucharest, contacted someone she knew in the U.S., Hang on, hang on, hang Let me just play this because I want to comment on this because I talked to Andrew about this. To say she was being held against her will. Her call was the catalyst that led to the Tate's arrest and detention just after Christmas, an event that made headlines around the world. 
controversial online influencer. Sorry, I have to touch on this because this is the story that got them to swat his home last spring, if you recall. And I asked him about this shortly after because I think I had him on a podcast just shortly after this all happened. This, this wasn't a woman living at his house. This is just a American gal that was uh, partying at the Tate's house. And, you know, they had girls over and drinking and, you know, they were having a good time. And she was stupid enough to post something on social media. I think it was an Instagram story, if I recall correctly. And her boyfriend saw it and said, what are you doing at the Tate's house? Because he recognized, you know, the background, you know, whatever was in the, you know, the artwork, the decor, the furniture, whatever. And uh, she lied and said that she was kidnapped. So he called the embassy and said that his girlfriend was kidnapped because she didn't want to be slut shamed for partying at the Tate's house with a bunch of other girls and a bunch of guys drinking and partying when she's in a relationship. So she lied and said that she was kidnapped. And then that's how you know the authorities went over to his house and raided him, took him in for 10, 12 hours. Um, I don't know if you want to add to that or. Yeah, yeah. Just to add the girl's version of events. So um, what the girl argues is that who she called was her brother and he's the one who contacted the um, embassy. So that's just the different versions of event between the two. Um, in terms of how long she was there for, her entire human trafficking experience was for six days. Yeah. Andrew Tate has been detained in Romania. American British media personality and former kickboxer Andrew Tate has been detained by Romanian prosecutors. The woman I've met on that Brookside style estate, the one who'd worked for Tate, suddenly appeared on social media saying she was not a victim at all. There are no victims in this case, and I am not a victim. And I feel it's very unfair that my friends are being held as prisoners for crimes they didn't commit, and also it's just for political points. The prosecutor is treating them as victims regardless. Their public denials don't surprise Sophie. He will intentionally be treated. So this is an important point because Jasmine and Beatrice have come out multiple times and said we're not victims. And with both of them, they clearly state, look, we're not victims and Tate's are our family. So now my question is this, how have they deduced that guess what, they are victims? The argument is, guess what, they've been brainwashed. They've got Stockholm Syndrome. How have they then decided that they've got this uh, uh, men, uh, you know, mental condition? You'll be they surprised a, to learn. They had a Romanian court psychologist make this assessment on their behalf. And how did they make the assessment? Don't know what the but data you, was. Your audience will be surprised to learn that what happened was the woman from United States and the woman from UK, Moldova, went to a psychologist who wasn't court appointed, who gave the diagnosis that the other women who never saw the psychologist are brainwashed. So they received a diagnosis of being conditioned, brainwashed, Stockholm syndrome, without ever seeing a psychologist. For me, that's huge. Uh, and like everything we've heard so far, all of these women have basically said, you know, I had the choice to leave. Right. Like there's no woman exactly. that I've heard thus far that said that I was detained against my will. In some people very well, knowing that they're going to go out into the world saying all this great stuff about him. Equally, there are going to be girls that are in the mindset, even if they are being treated badly, that they will be so infatuated and brainwashed by him that they're never going to say a bad word. I'm able to speak honestly now because I'm completely disconnected from him. But there was something else nagging me about the whole Tate affair. Something Maria at the anti-trafficking charity said, follow the money. 
It's the mantra of every investigative journalist. I returned to Tate's home. There's lots of rubbish at the back, an old skateboard, an Ikea lamp that's worth about 30 quid, um, loads of old bits of cement and debris from building, and a basketball net. You know, it just does not feel like wealth. So where is the trillion dollars he says he has? Or is that just another overstatement created to help sell his online persona? Something else intrigued me. Maria Borregina knows everybody in the webcam industry. But she'd never heard of Andrew Tate until his arrest. Did you know about his webcam business before? No. Which is unusual, isn't it? Because you know a lot of people in this industry have been in it for a long time. I never saw them and we never talked about them. Uh, I don't know how huge it is because it, what I saw in the newspaper, it was in a villa. So that cannot be very huge. Do you think it's possible that he would have earned what he claims are tens and tens of millions of dollars so quickly from this industry alone? If he claims that, I would like him to come and train me <laughs> because we are not able to do that. But it's what he's saying. Uh... So, again, you have a problem where he's trying to basically frame it as, guess what, the Tates don't engage in the business that much. So it defeats the whole case because in the case, they're trying to demonstrate that he's some kind of mastermind having a significant amount of women doing the webcam business. And now he's trying to argue that, guess what? It's not the case. The second point is he's making an assumption and saying to the woman, Maria, you know everybody. Like, how is that a basis for understanding if someone's in the business if she knows everybody? And she doesn't even answer that. And she just says, oh, I wasn't aware of him. So again, it's the way he's framing it. If you look at it, a lot of the information is from him as, a, as opposed to Maria. Oh, I don't know if it's true or not. From my perspective, it's not. What about his ownership of Romanian companies? Well, we discovered that after their compound was raided in April last year, the Tate brothers began offloading some of their assets. One company they hurriedly transferred to a female associate, Georgiana Nagel, but she's now in custody too. She moved it on to someone else, and that person was, wait for it, a porn star from Grimsby. The company Possibly. is now in... So He's done this dramatization and said, guess what? It's someone from Grimsby. Like, I don't get it. Like, what's the, so what's the conclusion of that? There's no basis for it. Like, he's not going to provide, like, what happens to that company. That's the end of it. So can you see how, like, terrible the journalism is? Like, either don't mention it. I don't it see the relevance. Like, yeah, I don't see the relevance of a porn star from, from exactly. Grimsby. Like, what does that have to do with Tate's incarceration? Exactly. Anyway to buy and we can't access its records i mean like you know pro tip for those of you that aren't entrepreneurs if you own a a private company your records aren't public right i mean like it's only publicly traded companies that are on stock markets you can get all those details into a casino in bucharest where tate has been filmed and which he's supposed to part own he claims he began buying casinos after some casual dealings with the Romanian Mafia. There was a guy who owns 400 casinos, three brothers, Mafia guys, they own 400 casinos throughout Eastern Europe. I came up to him and said, look, I want to do a franchise with you. You know the drill by now. He went to them, got involved, made a fortune, designed a business model. Tate has claimed he had 15 casinos, earning him a million dollars a month. 
Well, we searched high and low in company records, and we couldn't find any evidence that Tate owned a single casino, not the James Bond and Martini variety anyway. In Romania, when they say casino, they also include slot machine arcades in that, you know, end of the pier stuff. And it does seem Tate did, in the past, have a business arrangement with a chain called Las Vegas Games. Las Vegas Games is currently under investigation on suspicion of extortion and organized crime involving the Romanian Mafia. I'm guessing Tate doesn't want to be too closely associated with that. Pause, please. So, where... so there's two points from that. First point is, again, they're saying, look, he's not in the casino business. So again, there can't be no um, money laundering from the casino business. Um, and he's just partaking in the slot machines. And then the second point is he's trying to say Las Vegas Games are basically... Um, you know, they've committed laundering and fraud, but that has nothing to do with taste. So what he's trying to make the audience think is guilt by association. So because he's associated with them, therefore he must be as guilty, but that's not how evidence works. You need to provide the evidence that he's part partook in said laundering before you can accuse someone of that said crime. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's, let's carry on. It's the money. Could it be in the UK? Graham Barrow is an anti-money laundering expert who helps banks and the UK government investigate suspected corruption and who hosts the Dark Money podcast. Clearly, Mr. Tate has exhibited significant wealth, which is hard to reconcile with his normal business activities. We asked him to examine both Andrew and Tristan Tate's companies in the UK. The Tate's, or at least Tristan Tate, has never filed a set of company accounts for any of the companies he has been a director or an owner of. It's a red flag in my world. It is a warning to most financial institutions that they should be paying close attention if they're doing business with these companies. We also showed Graham our findings from Romania. Whether you like it or not, unfortunately, Romania is a hub of significant organised criminal activity, which involves money launderings. Having seen the information that you've, you've shown me, it is quite hard to differentiate that from other networks I've seen, which have ultimately ended up being um, shown to be money laundering or other financial criminal networks. Tate's followers become very awesome. touchy when journalists... So can you see what's happened here? He's built this whole argument. Guess what? Tate's not as big as you say. He might have a few girls. He's got slot machines. He's not got that much money. But then he says, guess what? He's a money launderer. And he's laundering significant amounts of money. It doesn't marry up. And the second point is the, the, the person who he goes to as the expert, he argues, guess what? Romania is the hub for money laundering. And then therefore, that is one of the reasoning for why he's assumed that Tate is also involved in that. So again, zero evidence provided, zero content provided. And this is his treasure trove of proof that's going to make Tate go down. Horrendous. Question the scale of his wealth. Take away Tate's money, his superpower, if you like, and you take away his strength. Hustlers University. Hustlers University. Hustlers University. And I think that's what they're trying to do, isn't it? University. You want to learn about Hustlers University. There's a bunch of rooms to go into, and those rooms have millionaire professors. The most likely source of a vast income seems to be his Hustlers University, an online business school to teach fans how to become rich. I'm going to teach you everything from start to finish, everything I've ever learned about business. I have a hundred business tips I'm going to teach you, which will allow you to make your own money instantly. The fee is $50 a month, and recruits would be taught by so-called multi-millionaire experts. Tate's students could even earn money by luring in more students to hustlers for which they'd receive a cut of each fee. If you think it sounds like pyramid selling, you wouldn't be alone. 
but Tate says it's not. If he had the 100,000 students he claimed... So there's two points there. First thing he says is he laws students. So is, is that what every business does? So is Amazon when they do advertising, lawing people? Is, is uh, um, any type of advertising or any type of affiliate program or anyone when you recommend a friend? Some form, of, some form, some form of lawing. No, it's not. So again, can you see how he's framed it to make it sound nefarious when this is normal business activity? In terms of it being a pyramid scheme, he's made the contention, but then not provided any evidence. Where is the evidence that something like Hustlers University, which is now called the Real World, is a pyramid scheme? I myself have looked into it, and from the information I've got gathered, it's an affiliate program. And how is an affiliate program where you basically essentially to advertise the course to others and then you get a cut for recommending a friend? How is that a pyramid scheme? Because a person from these universities, hostel uh, universities, can leave after a month. So it's not a pyramid scheme from my research. As, and what it is akin to is what every company has. A referral friend will give you £150 voucher. A referral friend will knock off 10 quid a month from your um, monthly fee. So when you're making a contention, you need to provide the evidence, which again, Paul Kenyon, Kenyon has failed to do. Yeah, it's an affiliate network. I did a video on this last summer. I think the title of the video is how Tate became famous or something like that. This was this was last August or September. It's an affiliate network. Uh, you know, he tapped into um, kids that wanted to be famous, that wanted to be a, a top G, that wanted to learn, you know, like the inside secrets of copywriting and affiliate marketing. And there's a lot of kids out there that do it. I mean, I spend 10 minutes a day at least going through my email inbox, deleting and blocking people that keep sending me emails that want to copyright for me or uh, do like short clips or whatever for me, right? Like there's there's a lot of people out there that do it. It's, that's what it is. It's an affiliate network. It's it's definitely not a pyramid scheme. I, you know, I can tell you that. Then he really would be raking it in. But Hustlers appears not to have filed any company accounts, so it's impossible to tell what it's worth. But File on 4 can reveal something new. Tate and his brother Tristan were originally being investigated for trafficking and rape offences. But a source in the prosecutor's office has told me that they're now investigating potential money laundering as well, around Hustlers University and some of their other businesses. This is an important new development, and as they look deeper into the Tate's finances, I've been told that UK law in Forgive me if I'm maybe being a little bit thick here, but I've watched enough gangster movies to understand that money laundering is something that happens when you try to clean dirty money, right? Like drug money, you know, something like that, for example. But if you're running an affiliate network that's invoicing, I don't know, a million, $10 million a month, you know, a bunch of... 100,000 kids that are paying 50 bucks a month. That's not money laundering. That's just billables, right? It's just recurring revenue, yeah? I mean, yeah, it is billable. So what you what they would have to try and prove is that they through that program, they were also laundering money as per what you said, or through that program, they weren't paying the, 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 you know, the taxes or whatever it may be. So again, that's, that's, different, though, that's tax evasion. That's ta exactly. And that's not even money laundering. I think it's from what I've seen of this program and from what I've seen in terms of the evidence, I think it'll be very hard for them to find money laundering, but let's see. And in terms of just from, from your viewer's point of view, up to now in the court documents, there is nothing about money laundering. So what this guy is talking about is something that they're looking at in the future or they're looking at now to present to the court next time. Look, one of the things that you do when you get involved in a court case is you, is you generally throw as much shit up against the wall and hope 
some of it sticks. That's generally the way that it works. So, I mean, I see the code in the matrix and what they're doing here right now. Um, look, that's, that's, that's par for the course. That's what you do when you launch a lawsuit. That's, that's what happens. You know, you just start throwing stuff at the, up against the wall. Very little of it sticks at the end of the day. Enforcement are now helping the remaining authorities. File on Four has put all of its findings from tonight's program to the Tate brothers through their lawyer, but they wouldn't comment. And there's one final avenue of inquiry. You can actually control and own your money. How difficult is it to move serious cash? No problem with Bitcoin. Tate talks a lot on social media about cryptocurrency. In August last year, four months before his arrest, he told an American podcast this. I had cash in a bank, and when everything hit the fan, the first thing I thought was, I don't want cash. I want something else. Give me an asset. Okay, well, how can I get an asset that the government can't take? Mm-hmm. Bitcoin. Tate does seem to have at least one digital wallet, but we can't look inside. Romanian law enforcement might be able to, depending on the kind of digital wallet Tate uses. But there is legal precedent, at least, for them to freeze whatever's there. It'd be ironic, wouldn't it? Tate, a man created in cyberspace, had his fortune reduced to an endless binary code locked in a virtual wallet that he may never reach. In difficult situations, I tend to just double down and think, right, if anyone can get through this, it's me. You know, we can make the best of this. We can fix it. It's going to be okay. Sorry. Sorry. Back in the real world, though, the long-lasting impact of Tate's behaviour is something Sophie says she will never truly recover from. Sharing her story with Farlon 4 brought back some painful memories for her. I just buried this so deeply. Yeah, so I realised I just couldn't live like that anymore, and, and, and it wasn't normal. She since decided to help the Romanian authorities with their investigation. You can't get away with treating people like this forever. I knew it would all come falling down eventually, and I'm glad it finally has. It's definitely made me more wary when I meet people. I don't trust people like I used to. It's- I know Sophie's an alias, but like, has this woman been named in the court case yet? No, no, she hasn't. So Paul Kenyon claims that this is now the seventh woman, so she'll be in addition. And again, look, we've when we've looked at the actual information and what she was saying, it provided us, and we've gone through it, consent. She agreed. It was basically a relationship, and she didn't like the relationship, and she was able to leave it. There's, but this end bit obviously is there to just garner emotions because it does make it feel sad and sorry. But all I can say to the audience is as, as sad as it makes you feel, look at the content as opposed to the emotions. Mm. It takes me a long time to sort of figure people out and make sure I know the kind of individual I'm dealing with because I know how easy it is for someone to pretend to be completely normal and wonderful. So everyone I meet now, I expect the worst from them until they can prove different. Which is unfair, you know, I, I shouldn't project all of that onto them and I'm, I'm trying to deal with it. But yeah, it, it's left me with a lot of difficulties in meeting people and having relationships because I just don't. All right. So they're just ending off on her emotional trauma. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I guess we'll do some closing thoughts and wrap up. So, I mean, has any of this changed your opinion? No, no, I was I was expecting this. I mean, this has basically been the modest operandi for the entirety of media, isn't it? To basically present something in one way when if I was given the exact same content, I could present it completely on the other way. So it's very biased. There wasn't a treasure trove as claimed by Kenyon. 
there was literally nothing there. If he thinks this is proof that he's going to be convicted, then basically his bar for conviction is very low. Yeah, and I mean, I tried to make the show as compelling and interesting as possible. I mean, I even reached out and tried to get some people that have been critics of Andrew and Tristan Tate and um, some engaged in the dialogue, but they all eventually either declined or just kind of ghosted me. So they got scared off or whatever. So, um, you know, they're very vocal online when they can hide behind avatars and, you know, post and ghost and all this sort of stuff on social media. But I think it would be a lot more compelling if, if you know, if they're going to hold these two men in prison, that they at least stated, you know, the reasons why and provided the evidence to at least, um, you know, sway the public opinion. Cause I still, cause I still think a lot of people are looking at this, like it's a wit, you know, it's a witch hunt. This is the matrix attacking them. This is unjust. And I think for the most part that echoes true. Still, I, you know, I, uh, clearly they, they've got a vendetta, you know, this to me, again, it looks like a witch hunt. This, this looks to me like he was the loudest, shoutiest, you know, character out there. Um, that said things that a few people didn't like and saying mean things, um, you know, as they say, isn't a crime, obviously. So, you know, we'll see how this unfolds, man. I mean, um, how do you think that, that this is going to go at this stage? Did you have any insight? You've been talking to a lot of people, like you've been doing a lot of podcasts lately. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, unfortunately, I believe, and I agree with you, there's hardly any evidence. So if the conviction was to occur based on this evidence, it would be a gross injustice or misjustice. But in terms of what I think is going to happen, I actually think that they're going to keep them for the for the entirety of the time. And I think they will be convicted because, as you said, this is agenda driven, which you call a matrix, but essentially means the deep state or the liberal Western leftist ideology or, or man hating ideology. So whatever you want to call it, there is an agenda to make sure that these guys are taken out, whether it's globally or locally within Romania, but there's definitely an agenda. Yeah, I think worst case scenario is you may not see them out again for a while. Um, and that's probably the longer they hold them for no reason. Uh, I think the higher the probability of that becoming true becomes a reality. So, I mean, look, if you're a guy out there, um, be careful, you know, with yourself. I don't know what they've done, you know, what they haven't done. There's obviously a lot of speculation out there. A lot of it's very unsubstantiated. Still, you know, to this point, we haven't seen any real evidence. We haven't seen any charges. Um, their lawyers, from what I understand, are being denied access even to their own clients. And another thing that I understood, um, you know, to be true, and you can confirm this as well, please, is um, they're having hearings where their lawyers are only given an opportunity to review the material for a very short period of time, like stacks of documents for only a very short period of time. This doesn't seem like justice, does it? Yeah, yeah, so that's right. So basically what happened was before the first hearing, they were given the entirety of the documents 45 minutes before the hearing. And then in the next hearing, but only to view, but then they took it back. And then in next time, before the next hearing, they were given 17,000 pages of documents to keep, but one day before the hearing. So they've not been able to analyze the information and then mount a fair defense. In terms of the information or content within there, they've not allowed, for example, the CCTV evidence which would demonstrate if the women are being forced, are being held without their consent, whether there's some kind of control that is not being included. And also what else has not been included is the WhatsApp messages in terms of the long form as opposed to- Yeah, the WhatsApp messages, 
that I heard. Like there were some Twitter spaces that I hopped into. I think I was in one or two of them that you were in as well too. I think I saw your name or your avatar, but they're like, they're out of context. You know, it's, it's one line read here and there and it's like, okay, well, what led up to that and what happened after that? And even yeah. some of them in the context that they were provided, um, there was consent, you know? So it was like, it's not even incriminating. It's her saying, well, this is what happened, which might be, you know, construed as bad, but I liked it or I consented to it, right? So it's not wrong if I consent to it, right? So exactly. it, it's a very bizarre set of circumstances. You know, there's any, any Western country gentlemen, you're going to have to be careful with, you know, you're going to have to be very careful with how you hold yourself out to the public. You're going to have to be very careful with how you interact with women. Do not fly, fly co close to the sun. This is, this is what can happen. Well, well what, what I would say is what the advice you're given is correct. But what I would say is that we should speak out because that's not acceptable. We should not be living in a world where men live in fear, where men are basically in a scenario where we live in an extreme feminist world where yeah. men, male issues are completely ignored and men are considered lesser beings. I mean, we've got so many examples of that. Look up basically um, suicide rates. Four times 80% of suicides are from by, male, by men. 70% of them are by adolescent men. Has anybody talked about that? Is there any men's groups talking about this, fighting about this? No one brings it up. It, rough sleepers in terms of homelessness, 80% of them are men. Again, is anybody talking about that? No, nobody is because no one cares about men. No one cares about the real issues they're dealing with. We live in an extreme feminist society. And that's all that people care about is female, keeping, basically putting female on a pedestal. And in reality, it shouldn't be like that. You should be caring about both issues. And you just, we, me and you mentioned the rape issue. That was a per perfect example. I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised that most people are shocked to learn that most most rapes occur on men but nobody talks about it because no one cares or for example most people talk about you know for example you know male men abusing people but actually most child abuse occurs by women significant data to suggest that again no one talks about this men are considered or presented as the violent scary men guess what your child is going to sit next to a man he could be abused but actually data suggests it's quite opposite no one talks about it so i think although your advice is right there should be campaigns or there should be scenarios where men are able to are given a voice. I look, man, I completely co-sign what you're saying. And I agree 100%. Um, where you may be missing something though, is that there's a group of guys out there called MRAs, which stands for men's rights activists. And for yeah. decades now, they've been trying, trying to be vocal about, you know, these sorts of issues with uh, suicide, with divorce rape, with how, you know, family law is hostile towards fathers and men and how they're alienated from their kids and uh, how there's two different sets of rules. Even the male yeah. feminist, Dr. Warren Farrell, wrote a book called The Myth of Male Power. And he was talking about the differences, you know, between men and women when it comes to incarceration rates, how women get far lighter and softer and shorter jail sentences for the exact same crime. Um, people have been talking about this for decades, but nobody wants to hear it. It, it, yeah. it doesn't matter. Men are men are disposable. We've always been disposable. Men are women are always protected. They've always been protected. Um, I think it's a reality of the world that we live in. And I guess where I differ from you, my friend, is I'm more of the um, thinking like, you know what? I see them burning the whole thing down. And if that's what they're going to do, I'm going to draw a perimeter around the people that are on the inside, the people that I love and care for. And I'll operate, you know, within that sphere. It's not my job to save the world anymore. Um, 
I, I, I truly hope things change, but I'm at the point where I've seen enough of people trying to change things and trying to speak for men and try to amplify, you know, these voices. And what about men's suicide rates and all this thing? And they just laugh. They just laugh at it. It's just swept aside. Oh, you know, look at all these poor girls over here sort of thing. And it's, it's, it's just, it's just a completely upside down world. Um, and I don't know where it's going, but it's not looking good for the guys out there. Let's just say that. Yeah. Anyway, we'll wrap it up on that note. Um, want to thank you for joining me. You can check out uh, my friend uh, Suleiman on uh, Twitter. He, I think yeah. I, I tagged you in the description of the uh, YouTube video. You don't have a YouTube channel, do you? No, I mean, I've started it. I'm going to start producing content on that now. But yeah, so my YouTube channel okay. is the same as my Twitter, which is at Sheikh Suleiman. But I'll be producing content from there from Thursday. Yeah, so um, find him online because there's lots of podcast interviews with him out there. He's active on Twitter. I think you're doing great work. And I wish all the best with amplifying this message and, you know, continuing the podcast tour. I know you're on later on today uh, with Pearly and Destiny. So that should be an interesting conversation. Yeah. He doesn't seem to like Andrew too much. He was one of the guys I invited on, but he went silent on me, by the way. Uh, Have fun with that, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Hang out just for a second just so we can talk offline. Thanks.